Sort of. <laughs> hey, welcome to episode 41 of We Can't Codes We Criticize. This is a weekly video game podcast between three friends. My name is Ben. My name is Cole. I'm Sam. All right. Good. Uh, so, I guess we'll just get into it. This week we have the uh, top five best games of the decade that we're going to be talking about later on, but let's just start off and see how everyone's week is. So... Sam, why don't you tell us about your week? Oh, I'm starting this time? Yeah, why not? You get to get get start us off. Well, it's been like a month since we've done this, so... Um, it makes sense, Christmas time in January to start all that. I get you. Uh, I mean, i played like a billion games, but I'm only going to bring up, I think, one or two. So, yeah. Yeah, I've done... You know, I've watched a lot of movies, and I've played probably two games or so in that time frame. Uh, so I guess I'll talk about the game first, the one game I'm going to talk about. So I, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little hungover. It's hard to string together words <laughs> or think ahead as to what I'm trying to say. I have been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order uh, this week, okay. this past couple of weeks, I suppose. It is. It's a really good game. Yeah. Um, so you're a Jedi, and you're trying to do some stuff. Um, the game has really good progression. Uh, you start out, and you don't have any Force powers, um, or you have very little Force powers. And as you go through the story, you unlock more and more uh, Force powers. But the way that they do this is really cool. So you are you were a Padawan before the Purge. And then um, as you go through the, the stories, you have memory flashbacks to learn things from your master that he was teaching you at the time. So like force push, force pull, double jump, these sorts of things you unlock later on. The purge um, as in before Anakin Skywalker went ballistic on those little children. It's the, the Order 66. The, uh, yeah, the Order 66 purge. The Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, well, the clone troopers killed all the Jedis. Um, Anakin killed all... Th- the kids you know except for the one that you're playing as i guess you you escaped he didn't get all of them Um, (laughs) (laughs) you missed one can only kill so many children (laughs) (laughs) so it feels like you're starting as somebody who doesn't know anything and turning into a jedi so that's that's really cool um it's super hard game um for a long time i was getting just murdered over and over by like bugs and stuff on the ground um, uh, eventually it took me a long time I'm on the last boss right now I believe I'm on the last boss uh, I'm like 20-ish hours in um, it's definitely a block game more than like a dodge game so the enemies have stamina bars and once you break their stamina bar they stagger and you can do damage to them for a short amount of time I have a question about the final boss. How big of a bug are we talking about? If you it's <laughs> the biggest like, bug I've ever it's, seen. It's Bug Vader. All you do is just fight bugs in the game. <laughs> <laughs> really, just an exterminator, not a Jedi. <laughs> I was getting murdered by those ground bugs, but now I'm on the final bug. <laughs> um, it's it's got like the Dark Souls style. Uh, you have meditation points to save 
to heal and uh, it respawns enemies if you heal yourself. Um, okay. The progression, I think, is the coolest aspect. You start out just not knowing anything, being very bad, and then eventually you're, you know, one-hitting stormtroopers that uh, took five, six minutes to beat beforehand. So feels really good. It's a really fun game. It's like more so. of a narrative type of game, right? Like, from what I can tell, they're trying to tell a bit more of a story than they usually do. Uh, there is a story, yes. And I am sort of paying attention to it, but I'm not all the way through yet, so I don't know if it's good or bad. <laughs> so, did you ever play, uh, what is it, Force Unleash? I did. So, how is this game compared to that? The Force is, the Force has been leashed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this game, the Force is just leashed up. Uh, I like this one a lot more. Um, it looks really good. Everything is super smooth. It plays really well. I, I played Force Unleashed before I bought this game, and um, similar, you know, um, what's it called? You jumpy, jumpy type of game, jumpy, jumpy, kill, kill kind of game. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I get you, I get you. But this game is super good. So, how long is the game? I'm 20 hours in, and I believe I'm on the last boss, so probably something like that. <laughs> All right. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good bang for your buck, like 20 hours. That's, I always consider, like, the bare minimum, it, even if it's, like, the best game in the world, I'm okay with paying full $60 price tag if I get at least, like, six hours of a good story. Or six or eight. But that, yeah, so 20 is, like, way above and beyond that. And um, you unlock, I think, five or six planets, and there's a bunch of secrets and boxes and stuff to unlock, and exploring all these planets um there's a bunch of areas that you need a specific force power to be able to get to so you, the first time you go to the planet you can't get there um and then you end up going back to the same planets and being able to unlock all the secrets so depending on how the story goes i might just keep playing it to find the rest of the secrets because it's really fun so that's interesting to me that i, I mean Whenever I they used to pull this a lot in like Banjo Kazooie and stuff, where you would play a world, but you couldn't get everywhere or do everything until you had an ability from like later on in the game. That used to drive me crazy. So it's interesting that you actually enjoy that aspect because I remember just like hanging out in those areas, like I don't know what to do, I can't get to this stupid you know whatever I have to do, and it's driving me crazy. And then like you know two levels later, it's like oh now I have the ability to shoot grenades or whatever and now now that makes sense but it, it always felt like so frustrating in that moment so you actually appreciate it or is it like pretty obvious like don't do this now do it later or yeah it's pretty obvious and um the game like the story takes you back to a couple of the planets so like you go there one time to do something and then you notice a bunch of areas that are blocked because you know, reasons and um <laughs> it's like, like roadblocks <laughs> well there's um there's bridges that you have to pull down to be able to cross them and when you don't have forced pull you can't do that yeah um, so it's obvious that you have to go back but um the story itself takes you back to a lot of the a lot of those places so it's not terrible um the so, very so the very first planet let me just let me just get this out I'll, it's I'll very important <laughs> There was a there's this big bug in a room. Of course, he had, <laughs> he had um, like he was a boss. They have uh, epic monsters that you have to fight. Well, I guess you don't have to fight them, but you can. Um, and I tried 
read at the very beginning of the game, I tried to beat him for probably like 20 minutes, and he was just kicking my ass. So uh, now, you know, 20 hours later, I went back to the first uh, planet and just railed that guy, and it <laughs> felt really good. Yeah. That's Adam that's Adam. right, I'm back. <laughs> you remember me, bug? Back, back to squash the bugs. Frog, frog thing. <laughs> But yeah, I was wondering, when you go back to these planets, uh, especially for story-driven stuff, does it do like the enemies and characters change at all when you keep going back to these areas? Or is it like you go back, it's the same setup that it was before? Uh, for the story, some of the different areas are unlocked um, because of the story when you go back yeah. to the planets. And they do look different because um, time has passed, supposedly, between the cool. first time you went and the second time you go. I think you go back to two of the planets, story-wise, and there was five or six planets overall. So, mm. I'm trying to think of the next. I'm trying, like, it, it's amazing to me that there's actually a good Star Wars game out there. People always refer to Knights of the Old Republic, but that game is looking pretty darn old lately. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of the last Star Wars game I enjoyed, and honestly, I haven't played many of them. So, is it Knights of the Old Republic two? <laughs> well, no. So I haven't played Knights of the Old Republic. I haven't played Star Wars Unleashed. I remember, like, really hating on the N64, there was a game called Shadows of the Empire, and it was, like, horrible <laughs> movements, and it was terrible. And you, I think you played as, like, Han Solo or, or like, some character like that. But uh, I haven't played a lot of Star Wars games. I just naturally get in my head this mindset of like oh new battlefields coming out it's gonna be crap so it's refreshing to hear that that's not as cursed of a series as i keep hearing it is it's a solid single player story game mm -hmm. so you you I'm, specify I'm really you specified single player right there does it have any kind of multiplayer at all or is it just just single player okay all right I'm really surprised that Star Wars as a well, franchise has so many games at all. Like, think yeah. of the other franchises. Like, Star Wars has a lot of games. Tons. Not very many games that are actually like decent. No, but I, I was going through my Steam library as we were talking about this, looking at all the different Star Wars games, and I have what ten different Star Wars games. Yeah, there was a humble <laughs> bundle with like forty of them one time. Yeah. I've only actually played like a few of them because they were actually good. The rest of them are just straight dog shit. So let's take a look here. <clears throat> I'm just looking at all the games that have come out. Uh, this isn't a really good list, but yeah, I mean, the series, they've had like uh, the pod racing games. Uh, let's see. The pod racing game on the 64 was amazing. Yeah, I liked I liked that one. That was probably the, the best Star Wars game in my mind. But keep in mind, I've only played, like, two Star Wars games. <laughs> There's the Battlefronts, Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars Galaxies, which my brother really liked. That was a little before my time, though. Did either of you play Star Wars Galaxies? It doesn't sound uh, familiar. It's, it was an online game, an MMORPG. Ooh, definitely not. Yeah. I've only played Knights of the Old Republic uh, MMO. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested. I've got a list pulled up, but it doesn't show by year. I'd be interested to see if they actually make a game at, at least once a year, because I, I would believe it. 
they seem to come out at least at least every two years. I don't know. I feel like there was such a huge gap between the Force Unleashed and the new Battlefield series because it's or because Lucas Lucas Arts was the one that owned it, and then their company got bought out. So, it's well, yeah. I mean, it, that makes company, sense. So there was like a huge gap for a while. I guess that makes sense because then it's like I, I don't know how licensing works when the when the parent company is changing, but uh, yeah, I bet that they had to like renegotiate between episodes one through three and then episodes seven through nine once the once the uh, once it went to Disney. Yeah. But yeah, so I think the the last big one that I remember from the original like one through three before there was the gap was Force Unleashed. And then maybe it stuck around a little bit through the the Lego Star Wars games, I guess. Those have been around for the last decade or so. Yeah, the Lego series, I feel like, comes out quite often. But, I mean, they ran through all of the Star Wars games pretty quickly already. Mm. There's a new one coming out in 2020. Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, it looks like. That makes sense. So they are, they are pumping those out. Mm. <laughs> Not that they're bad games. The Lego games are super fun. I always really enjoyed Star Wars Lego games. They're super fun. Yeah. I've played, I mean, just the Lego games in general are really fun. I've played the Star Wars ones, the Harry Potter one. I think I played the Hobbit one. You and I, just same, um, you and I played the uh, the Lord of the Rings one when it, you could basically walk from the Shire to Mordor. all in, Like, it, it was one big stretch. I remember that we were fucking around a lot in that game. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so that's the uh, you played Star Wars uh, Fallen Order. What was the Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah, what was the movie that you watched as well? You said that you had one of each. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't. I watched uh, the Rise of Skywalker as well. Okay, um, and I thought it was good. I think a lot of people disagree on that, but I thought it was good. Okay, I don't really I have anything shocked. to say. Uh, Kylo Ren is a super dope character. As I said, shocked. All the stuff I've heard. It's been Adam Driver is a really good, really good actor. Yeah. Um, and he, he carries that series on his shoulders the whole time. Have you? But is there another scene where he's shirtless again? <laughs> Wide boys. <laughs> he's thick as a toaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he takes his shirt off. Unfortunately not. Yeah, I watched it too. I, I'm gonna agree with the the general consensus here that, or consensus that, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. But yeah, I mean, if you've seen it and you've read the reviews, it's it's exactly my take. I don't have to really repeat it. But I'm curious. So obviously, you have the the take of someone who felt otherwise. Why why did you like the Rise of Skywalker? What what do you think? were the best parts of it. You said the acting was good because uh, Kylo well, Ren. Specifically Kylo Ren's acting. Okay. Um, I just, it's just a Star Wars movie. It's just fun to watch lightsabers. Um, it's super predictable. You know what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. <laughs> uh, but that's the same with all the Star Wars movies. And I think sure. It's, I think it was cool getting to see new Star Wars movies in my lifetime. Because not not something I ever expected to happen. I can um, almost guarantee you're gonna keep seeing them year after year, from yeah, now from, on. From now on, for sure. Um, All which right, is, you know, a good or a bad thing. But <clears throat> I like Star Wars as a franchise, and 
it was fun to watch. They're they're hitting about fifty percent on their off on their spin off movies though. I mean, I liked Rogue One and I absolutely hated Solo. So I mean, it's we'll see what happens yeah, next. I think Rogue One is definitely the best new Star Wars movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I love that so, one. Solo was garbage, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and the new the new trilogy. I mean, if you take a look at it as a whole, I think, in my opinion, it's the weakest tr- trilogy of the three. Um, but it's still just a fun Star Wars movies. Fun yeah. Star Wars movies. That's Whatever. fair. I was going to bring that up as well. I think that everyone rips on episode one, two, and three. But I really liked episode three as just an all-around movie. I, I think that there are some dumb parts in episode one. I think that episode two get, gets a little crazy with the CGI and, like, Yoda flipping around and stuff. But episode three, they really bring it all... Like, it it, it ties itself off really well. Um, so I, I, I That's my favorite movie out of all of them, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Avenger I, the Sith. I do love the prequels. I do. Like, they are really fun. I do love but... the prequel memes. <laughs> the memes are always... Great memes. Always great. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, unless there was anything else, we could jump over to Cole see how his there's, week was. There's one more thing. Yes. I, I am, speaking of how many Star Wars games there are, I'm really disappointed that there isn't more other like fantasy uh, popular games out there. Like, Why is there no more Lord of the Rings games that are good? Like, there's The best one was probably the Two Towers. Or For maybe, like PS2 maybe and the Xbox. One. Yeah, the PS2 one's really good. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play uh, Shadow of Mordor, though? I played Shadow of Mordor. I, th- I oh. thought it was pretty fun. I I, I never played the second games. one. The second one fun. got... They added a lot more to it, especially with <clears throat> the whole army aspect, and it was really cool. So, But my specific gripe is why are there no Harry Potter games? Ooh, that's, that's a solid one. I bet I Warner, hear... Warner Brothers is probably holding that like billion dollar licensing agreement or something, but like uh, just you go to school, just an open world Harry Potter Hogwarts game. Can you imagine? I mean, if they could just bring back the Quidditch game from the GameCube. The one where you fly would... through the circles? <laughs> no, no, no. It's called Super Nintendo 64. The World Cup where you get to yeah. play against Quidditch other people. World Cup. Loved that yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, I played, like, the Sorcerer's Stone, like, on a big old CRT monitor when that movie first came out in, like, 2000. I remember that was fun. You had to, like, sketch out the the flippendo spells and all that. <laughs> flippendo! Yeah, I remember that game. But, yeah, I mean, that was, that was practically, like, what, 20 years ago now? I mean, it's... I agree oh, with you. Yeah. That one is really... That series is way overdue for, like, a, a good AAA game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the like the movie tie-in games. Some of them were fun. Some of them were garbage, um, and that's really all you got. Mm-hmm. Lego. Um, oh yeah, the Lego games. I played those. Those are those are fun. Yeah, but once again, they're like a comedy version. Like we have serious. Like there, there's there's comedy in Star Wars. There's comedy in in Harry Potter. But Star Wars isn't afraid to be more serious, and Harry Potter also isn't afraid to be more serious theatrically but in the games it's all like they don't get serious there's there's no, hardly any stuff. dreadful moments or like you know dramatic moments yeah i mean realistically first harry potter game i just want to be able to get sorted into a house go to class 
get up to some hijinks, doing some magic, it'd be great. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. even have to be tied into the actual story. That'd be. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. Make uh, make like, whatever. We're getting kind of off topic, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just somebody. You, somebody you made tried to Harry like Potter slow game. us down by only talking about one thing, but we're just extending these one things out for so long. <laughs> but I'm okay with this. I feel like I've been I've been on full speed ahead with my games the last month the last two months I, I bought a ton of stuff for black friday that if i got into each one individually it would it could take up two hours and you guys don't even like to talk to me to begin with so i mean i know that that <laughs> wouldn't be good it's kind of why we've been pushing off this podcast for so long here's another ben episode real snoozer <laughs> <laughs> all right but I agree with you, though. Harry Potter, uh, it, it could really use... They they did they had, they had that mobile game that came out that was supposed to be shit. It was bad. I tried it. Yeah. It's like Wizards Unite or something like that. It's one of those, like, every action you take uses energy, and you have so little energy that you... It's just a pay-to-win uh, cash grab. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? With, like, you have seven energy, and to stir the potion costs three energy. And then you can watch an ad to get three more energy or whatever. It's one of those kind of games. Oh, shh. Goddamn. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Cole, what did you play? All right. What I have been playing is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. So I've been playing this game nonstop for a while now. And I am 40 hours in and on the last two bosses... I could you just had to double me, didn't you? You I couldn't did. just say Absolutely. 20 hours. You just had to have twice as many. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to go look, okay? <laughs> you and but Sam yes, are I had to one up you. On the, uh, yeah, on the last bosses. Jeez, it's like a race. Who's going to win their game first? Not I mean, me. I could go for the final boss if I wanted to, but there's also like extra bosses you can fight that give you buffs um, if you beat them. So I'm trying to beat uh, the boss I'm fighting right now is the Hatred Demon. And it's this giant, flaming kind of monkey thing that just is terrible. All I'm trying to do is just hit hits nutsack over and over again until it finally dies. That is the weak point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird weird combat compared to like the rest of the boss fights that you actually have to do. You I cut out a little bit, and then you came in perfectly just to say nutsack right in my ear. <laughs> I appreciated that. That was the important part that you needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it's another game from from software. So the same guys that do the Dark Souls series, and I've played uh, Dark Souls one and two. Um, and I never picked up Bloodborne at all, but this is a really fun Dark Soulish game to kind of play. Um, no longer have like magic spells or like really a ton of customization you just play as a shinobi who has a prosthetic arm that you can add different attachments to so right now i'm running around uh with a flaming axe on my arm um, a top hat that blocks everything and a finger which is probably my favorite prosthetic because it's all it is is literally you add a finger to your prosthetic arm. It's so you can whistle. 
at women. <laughs> I'm sitting there catcalling the whole time. But you can use it uh, to attract enemies so you can get assassinations on them, or uh, it causes animals to go crazy. Uh, so you can do it while or with a bunch of guards that have like dogs with them. You can whistle, the dogs will go crazy and just kill off the guards. Okay, so just if you whistle, they'll just attack their owners and kill them? They'll just start attacking anything nearby, and pretty much it's always their owner. So I just sit there, just like looking at them, whistle a little bit, and they just go crazy. So yeah. <laughs> Weird. Okay. <laughs> As I said, it, it's the most ridiculous prosthetic, because the way you get it is you have to kill that giant monkey thing that probably everyone's seen online, and you inside of the monkey you find a finger... I don't know why you're digging inside of it, but you find a finger <laughs> and you add it to your arm that you already have. That already has fingers, so I don't know why you need to add this random-ass monkey finger that you find. But yeah. Uh, so far, this game has kicked my ass quite a bit. Uh, as I said, I'm towards the very end of it, um, for Dark Souls games, I've actually only beaten uh, Dark Souls 2. That game was stupid easy. Uh, Dark Souls 1, I've gotten to the final boss, but never actually been able to beat because I'm bad and I can't get good. Um, <laughs> this game, I feel like I've got good and I can actually do it. Because like the, when I first started, instead of fighting bugs like Sam was, I would fight like just basic guys who have swords and trying to block or parry them and everything was super hard and I just like constantly get killed by one guy and now I just run up to those guys and just like instantly destroy them and it feels so good mm. and because like I'm on that last piece I'm going back through on anything I've missed and kind of cleaning up any extra mini bosses or bosses that I skipped over uh, just to get the extra uh, bonuses and I've just been going through and just destroying all sorts of things yeah it's been really cool so I've got a question about, um, I've never specifically hated these games for the combat, but what I really don't like is that a lot of the items seemed really overbearing with what they said and what they did, and I didn't quite understand, like, I didn't want to research and read into everything. I wanted something to be like, health potion, great, I know that that heals me. This potion, I know that that gives me, you know, stamina or whatever. So... I guess I'm just curious, like, how easy is it to just pick up and play this game? Because I know the other ones, I always just got, like, uh, I don't know what I got, and I never use it. You know, if it's, like, a smoke bomb, or if it's, like, a this or that. I I ended up not getting good at the games, because I don't understand, like, half the items in my inventory. Is this kind of the same thing, where you, like, use a bunch of different items uh, in your inventory, one... or is it kind of more straightforward? This one's definitely way more straightforward. Okay. Uh, so you do get... Of course, you like collect random things that you don't really need. Um, but I would say for like the character building and um, kind of the leveling up system, in Dark Souls, you'd be able to level up by putting um, extra skill points into, say, your strength, your dex, uh, stuff like that. So you could actually build out a character... I thought it was cool, but it also gets a little overwhelming of making sure you have the right stats to go into the final game. This one, 
when you do like leveling up, you get more health or more attack strength. That's it. Okay. It's not like you're trying to upgrade. You, you could do upgrades on your prosthetic or er, weapons, but all it really does is lets you add additional features to them. So, as I said, I had an axe. When I started with the axe, I could just do a quick swing. Your second level up is you can do like a long sweep with it, and your third one is now it's lit on fire. <laughs> all right. So it, it's super straightforward when it comes to like the leveling. Um, and the items are pretty straightforward of, all right, this gives you extra defense. This gives you extra attack damage. Yeah. Oh. Which is nice. It makes it... I actually think this is one of the easier Dark Souls games to get into. That's great. That's that's all that matters to me, is I don't care how difficult the game is. It's more just, like, how how achievable is it to like pick it up and just start playing it i always feel like i had to you know read a bunch of like every single item in all the dark souls so it's nice to hear that they haven't changed specifically how hard the game is they've just made it a lot more digestible for newcomers yeah i definitely say this one's way more uh newcomer friendly especially because like the regular dark souls series you have different weapons that you have to like kind of understand how they work this one you stick with the same swords the whole time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I, I've i really enjoyed this game. Some of the boss fights are just so satisfying when you're able to actually beat them. And similar to, like, uh, the Star Wars Jedi game that Sam was talking about, uh, enemies have, instead of stamina bars, they have a posture bar. And if you knock them off balance and off their posture, you actually get a, an instant kill blow which is really cool and a nice fun way of actually beating a boss. <laughs> I wish there's instant kills in the Star Wars game. <laughs> yeah. So like there's some things that as I said, I have a flaming axe, they're weak against uh fire or they're startled by it, so you just whip that thing out, their posture goes away and you just instantly kill them. <laughs> you just whip it out and startle them and then you kill them. <laughs> They get so startled when you just whip it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I beat the game, by flashing my dick. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, if if I had played this game earlier, I definitely would put this as my game of the year. Alright. So out of ten, what would you say? Uh, I would say a nine. Okay. And uh, Sam, we didn't ask you about Fallen Order, but since you're basically there, how what would you give uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Um, I still haven't come to the end of the storyline, so, but so far I'd probably get it in an eight or a nine. Yeah. All right. One thing I did not mention, but Cole brought it up, um, so I thought I would mention it now, is the leveling system in Jedi Fallen Order is really good too. Um, the level there's three different options where you can spend your skill skill points um there's the force there's your lightsaber and then there's survivability so some of the upgrades just are really cool uh there's one where if you're sprinting you will automatically block laser bolts um there's simple ones where like increase your health bar increase your force bar uh, increase your lightsaber damage so i like the level up system uh in this game as well Mm mm-hmm and this is uh, the thing where if, if you get killed by an enemy, they steal your level up bar, so you have to go back and kill them to retain your uh, level. 
Uh, oh, really? Interesting. Ooh. I haven't heard about that before. Yeah, yeah so you get um, everything costs skill points, and it doesn't take away. Like, if you have one skill point, it's not going to take it away. But if you have half of a skill point bar, it will take, I don't know if it's all of it or just some of it, um, when you die to an enemy. So you have to go back and get that. Mm-hmm. And if you if you like fall off a ledge and you die that way, um, you just lose it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's how like the Dark Soul games usually are. Is wherever you die, you have to go like reclaim your dead body in, um, to get all your experience points back. Well, thankfully, you don't have to do that in Sekiro at all. It when you die, you just lose half half of your experience and half of your money. But if you're already at, like, uh, you've already had a, f- a full bar filled up, um, you don't lose that uh, XP bar, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, I've heard about that in the in the From Software games. You lose, like, your blood or echoes or your whatever. But, yeah, you always have to go back and get it. Yep. You don't have to do that no more. Nice. Which is nice. Cool. It's been really annoying. Um a couple of times in the Star Wars game. So the only time you can save is at the meditation points and you can go long stretches without having one and then have to and when you die all the enemies respawn too. So you have to go get back to wherever you were, killing everything again and hopefully being able to kill whatever killed you the first time. Um it's been frustrating a couple times, but okay. Hmm. Uh all right. Cole, did you see any movies or anything like that? Um, yeah, I went to go see Jumanji, the new one. All right, the, uh, and, what's it called? I can't remember, but the next level. Uh, how was it? Oh, yeah, next level. Uh, it was cool. Um, I'm going to start off because the place I actually saw it is, uh, it's called Alamo Draft House. It's a movie theater that has a bar and restaurant in it. So when you go to your actual seat, they have a menu. You can mark things off. Someone will come by, and then you get uh, drinks and food dropped off to your seat as you're watching the movie. So that was already just like a great way to watch the movie. I'm so we're jealous. Sitting there, That's we're awesome. sitting there drinking, like beers just getting delivered to us. Um, but Jumanji uh, w- was really fun. Uh, they have like the same four characters again. Um, but this time, because instead of like the four kids that get sucked in, um, it's one of the kids decides to go into the game because he feels like the only way he can feel like himself is if he is in the game. That's the only reason any of his friends actually liked him the first time. So he decides to go back in and his friends are like, okay, we got to get him out. So they try to get into the video game themselves, but why they do this, they actually... Uh, pull in uh, the kid's grandpa with him at the same time. Yeah. So I've seen the trailer. There's like Jack Black that, or no, not Jack Black. Uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito and uh, And Donald Glover. It's not. It's not Donald Glover. (laughs) That's not the other guy. The older gentleman. What is his name? Don, Don Donald Glover is is childish Gambino. He's he's not the the guy that you're thinking of. 
Either way, it doesn't necessarily matter. But yeah, so the, the gist is that the game sucks them in, but it's some other people playing as the same uh, people from before. The Rock has a different, you know, character now, and Jack Black has a different character and whatnot. So yeah, so you enjoyed it, though? It was just pretty fun? It was a Yeah, it was super funny again. It It is. It's Danny Glover is the other guy. All right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I misheard you. I know. I did say Donald. It's it's Danny. Okay. But they're both Glovers. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Are they related? I don't think so. No way. I don't think they actually are. No. I don't think so. Because uh, isn't Donald Glover's family, like, devoutly, uh, what's, not Mormon. What's what's the religion called? Um, I can't think about it, but it's the same that Michael Jackson's family was. I don't remember. Anyway, they were, like, very... They're, like, very against his, like, acting career initially. And so I doubt that his father would also be an actor if that was the case. Yeah, I don't think they're related whatsoever. All right. But, yeah, um... So, of course, they added, as I said, they added two new characters. So, in the store... Or, in the actual video game, you now get... um, an Asian chick who is the cat burglar, and the other character that they have join them is a horse. It's a, an actual playable character. And the horse ends up being like the most powerful and the best um, like features as a playable character in the game, which is hilarious. Wow. So you have one person attempting to talk the whole time, but they're just a horse. Horses are pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, they got some good stats. So, but yeah, I thought it was really funny. Jack Black in there in the movie, I think, is once again my favorite character because he's just hilarious. Um, he's played by the black dude Fridge this time, and he just complains because all he wants to do is play uh, his original character that he was before. Uh, which is the short guy. Um, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. He just wants to be Kevin Hart again. And he just keeps getting upset because uh, I think it's Danny DeVito gets to play Kevin Hart, and he doesn't know how to use his character at all. So it's just really funny. Mm. All right. <laughs> I don't know. If you like the first one at all, it's a fun like continuation of the series. All right. I kind of Highly thought recommend it, it. I kind of thought it was so so. Uh, I, if you're going into it just to be entertained, then yeah, like I didn't have a problem from that aspect. But I, I didn't see it as having any, anything beyond just a fun movie. So I, I might go see it. I've kind of been debating it with myself lately, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it's just a good comedy movie. Mm-hmm. Just kind of seeing a- actors try to act as someone else is really funny. Sure. Well, that is what actors do. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you see them in one movie, or in the exact same series, they have to completely change. It It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we can uh, get into my stuff here. So, I've played a bunch of games, but to, uh, to keep the podcast not five hours long, I'm just going to pick one game so i'm on a platforming binge 
I guess, in the last day or two. And uh, I bought Super Meat Boy on the Switch, and I was playing that. But more importantly, I got uh, Super Mario Maker 2 yesterday, and I've been playing that nonstop. It's super duper fun. Both of you guys have Nintendo Switches. Have either of you played this game? No, that game is way too hard for me. I'm bad at platformers. All right. Yeah, I've never played it. I'm never good at platformers either. Sure. So are, are you making levels, or are you just playing levels that other people have created? Right now I'm just playing them, but they are nails, hard as nails is the phrase. It's awesome, though. Uh, I mean, they they have, like, the five generations of Super Mario from, like, NES Super Mario to Super Mario World, uh, the Super Mario, you know, the new Super Mario World, whatever. I don't think any of this means anything to anyone. But they have, like, five different historical times with the graphics and with the, the enemies and everything, so that's really cool to switch out. And each version has different, uh, what would you call it? Uh, I was going to say motor, but it's it's like their their movement is different, you know? So, like, you gain speed a lot faster with one Mario, or you can jump a lot higher with another Mario. Like, the older versions, your guy stops on a dime a lot faster. The newer versions, you know, he kind of, like, slips and slows down a bit more. It's a bit more, like, slidey. So it's really wild, because there's levels that take me you know, hour, two hours to beat, and then I feel like a freaking god afterwards, and then I'll play the next one. It's like, oh, I don't know how to play this game, because it's like completely <laughs> separate controls every time. But it's been awesome. I got a Wii U on sale as that system was basically being ousted, and I got Super Mario Maker 1 for that, and then like that month, they said that they were going to cancel the online service for that game. So I got to play a minor amount of the first one, and I loved it, and now finally I can kind of, like, play the newer version, and it, it really is great. So I've only had it for, like, a day. I can't really say much, but I think that it has a lot of potential. And the one thing I will mention is that I've heard the story in this game is pretty good, all things considered, they actually added a story to it, but... They have a story mode for Mario Maker? Yeah. I thought the whole thing was just to make levels and play other people's levels that are just hard as balls. Yeah, so I haven't opened it up yet, but the big gimmick of the second one is that there is a story mode, and there's also multiplayer. Hmm. So I would say that... The story mode is probably... Once again, I haven't tried it out, but I can assume they're pre-made levels from Nintendo. And my biggest problem with the game right now is that even though it is great to have basically an unlimited amount of levels that are really fun to play, it has a bit of a problem with keeping my attention for, like... I'll play a really difficult level for an hour or something, and then after that I really have to, like, sit down and think, okay, do I want to try another level? It has a it has a hard problem keeping my attention for really long amounts of time because there's basically zero story, obviously outside of the story mode. If you're just playing the online creations, there you know it's it's just go from one level to the next. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you? Uh, does the game start off with the Legend of Zelda 
add-on or is that additional DLC that you have to get? Oh no, I got that. I saw it in the speedruns uh, for AGDQ a week or two ago, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I just played a level where it kind of shows off all the moves that you can do. So you'll get a Zelda sword, and then you can shoot arrows, you can drop bombs, you can like do the running dash and all that. It's a really cool add-on. Uh, yeah, I just for like the Zelda stuff alone looked really fun. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't know how well I would do with any of the Mario stuff because I've watched some videos of people playing and it just looks insane. And trying to get all the, like the perfect movements for all of those, I I don't think I could do. I'll be honest. But just the Zelda stuff would be cool. I'll be honest. I I was gonna try not to like gloat too much here but i've been going through like some of the super expert levels and i don't know i love the challenge i, I love those levels with like pre precision jumping and movements and like figuring out how to like jump on a shell and throw another one and jump on that one i mean it's it's insane the stuff that takes you know once again like one or two hours to beat when you do it and you see that you see like how many people attempted it and then the percentage of people that actually completed it and it's like one percent one and a half two percent or something and then you get your name on that list it's like yes like i i love that feeling that that drives it for me that's awesome mm -hmm. and go ahead and gloat i mean i already showed that i was trying to one-up sam earlier so gloat away my friend oh man all right <laughs> it's time to talk about how awesome i am <laughs> uh other than that though Okay, so I briefly mentioned Super Meat Boy, so uh, I'll just quickly say that I've been playing that as well. Since I bought Super Mario Maker 2 yesterday, I also loaded that up and played it like two or three hours before bed last night. And I'm really trying to like get through all the worlds and get like A pluses and the bandages and everything. So I'm just like super on a platforming binge. Yeah, I got it for PC, but. It's a lot nicer on the Nintendo Switch. I've always seen it on the store, and it seems like such an obvious decision to make that this is a great game for on-the-go play, so that's why I picked it up a second time. It was like eight bucks or something. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played a little bit of Super Meat Boy, but once again, it was another platformer game that just absolutely wrecked me, so kind of gave up on it. Yeah. Actually, if you were here in Denver with me, the bar that I celebrated New Year's at, they were doing a um, Super Mario uh, kind of like speedrun tournament. If whoever could get or could finish the game uh, before midnight without, or you had three lives, that's all you had, but if you can beat the game before midnight, uh, you got a $50 bar tab. And it was just really fun to watch people try to uh, run through the original Mario. Of course, doing all like the warps and everything, but always constantly getting destroyed in uh, World 8 over and over again. Yeah, that's a tough one. So, I, I thought that would be right up your alley now that you're playing Mario Maker. I'm sure that... For that big money. I'm sure that there's people that have remade all the original levels and, you know everything up until modern era because it gives you the tools to basically do all that yeah so yeah that would be interesting to check out uh other than that i would give a review score for the game but i just honestly haven't played it enough 
I mean, I've played games like Remnant from the Ashes that I had, like, one opinion when I first played it, and then it, like, changed significantly afterwards. So I don't want to say anything about it so far, but I've been having a lot of fun with that. Other than that, I saw the movie uh, 1917, which is I want to a... take one step back. Yeah. It's at the end of the Mario Maker conversation. Yes. Um, never played it. Don't really have anything to add. Besides, I watched a Mario Maker speedrun this weekend. Um, at, it was AGDQ yeah. last weekend. Um, and if anybody ever listens to this, uh, I would recommend watching any sort of AGDQ, SGDQ. Uh, the speedrunning is is amazing, and it's really fun watching um, people like break games. But this was a like a team race of Mario Maker Two team race. Um, so every time you died, you passed the controller to the next person on your team, mm-hmm. and it was super fun to watch. Um, I, you should that's watch a, it. That's a really cool concept of doing it as a team, and as you die, you have to pass it to another person. Yeah. That, so that was, was one like of the eight, few things eight I of watched. The very best. Eight of the very best Mario like players in the world, or at least in America. I'm not sure if it was the world, but um, super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really incredible thing. They only had an eight-minute timer to beat each level, and on top of that, they're switching the controller off between three other people. So, I mean, how many times can you possibly play within eight minutes and trading the controller off to three different people? And they still managed to beat, I think, seven out of the eight levels that they had to to play through within eight minutes for each one. It was insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. That was was one of my favorite things, though, to watch. Uh, They had, like, the duos where sometimes it was... Since it's a co-op game, you can play, you know, two people against two people, so they would switch the controller off between, you know, every second person or something. But, um, I mean, my favorite part about that whole thing is that they had the codes to play the levels yourself after the tournament. So that's the awesome thing about Mario Maker is someone made these levels specifically for this competition, this relay race, And they spent like a month and a half, two months making these levels. And then as they were doing it, there was just the code to like, you know, you can play the level. And so I can, you know, try it. I'm sure I'm going to get my ass handed to me. But (laughs) if I wanted to, I could try out one of these like professional grade levels. It's that's the coolest part. Yeah. No, you got to download them. Tell us how it was. (laughs) Can you beat the level in eight minutes? Also, Pixar didn't happen. I would be surprised if I was able to stay alive for eight seconds in any of the levels, honestly. <laughs> they are insane. Yeah. It's wild. To to get back onto 1917, though, so I saw this movie, and I don't want to say or spoil anything much about it, because I know it's being nominated for a lot of awards and stuff, but I will say that it was really good. Maybe slower than most people would think a war movie should be, but I thought it was great. I love a good story in a slower movie. Uh, I don't know. Have either of you seen it, or do you want to see it? I really want to watch it. I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. Uh, I've seen just, like, clips of it. It looked cool. Yeah. Alright, well, I would recommend it. I would give it at least an 8 out of 10 if 8 out of 10 seems pretty fair, actually. Yeah, that seems good. So, uh, I think that's most everyone for 
or most everything for what we did in the last few weeks. But we can move on to uh, top games of the decade if you guys are down. Well, I was going to add one last thing because we brought up speedrunning. Yeah. I have been watching speedruns of Sekiro, and it's insane to watch that game because people can beat that the Sekiro in 20 minutes. And watching them just try to cheese through some of the bosses is so crazy and so cool. How does that even happen? I mean, I feel like it would take 10 minutes to beat one boss. Like, the whole point of that game is to kind of, like, wait for the right opportunity to strike. How do you speedrun through a game like that? So there's some bosses uh, that they have to fight, but there's ways to glitch past some other bosses. Also, like, there, for instance, there's a boss that um, he has a giant spear. He's riding a horse on this giant battleground. He, like, chases you around. But in the speedrunning, they get on top of the roofs and they get him to actually jump off a cliff and kill himself. <laughs> so it's just really funny because a lot of the times it's either watching them figure out how to get the boss to kill themselves or uh, just cheese it so that they can get the boss uh, into a, like, a perfect spot where the boss can't block or do anything and they just sit there and slash at him the whole time. <laughs> For another boss to get him to kill himself, you have to heckle him on Facebook. <laughs> to find his twitter account and a bunch of just hate tweets and you know write him a negative review on online yeah blackmail <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i'll have to check all that out honestly i love awesome games done quick i'm glad you brought it up sam because it's like one of my favorite things to look for every year the agdq and sgdq it's up there with e3 at this at like nowadays e3 is losing a lot of steam lately yeah, I really love um, those events. I watched the Sekiro speedrun as well. It was insane. Hmm. All right. Um, so, top five best games of the decade. This list took us all a while to make. And somehow, I think we all got it down to five, right? Does anyone have any honorable mentions? I mean, we, we've all got plenty, but is anyone planning on bringing an honorable mention up? I'm not um, to. I think I'll just bring up one, just because the concept was really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so as we've done in the past, we're going to start at the bottom of the list, say number five, number four, number three, then go basically to the next person, number five, number four, number three, then the next person, and then number two, then number two, then number two, then number one, number one, number one. Now, the other criteria here is if we have any repeaters... Uh, for example, if my number five is a game, but it's Sam's number two, then he'll tell me, you know, hold off on that. It's on my list. We'll talk about it later. So, with that being said, I feel like I always pass it off to one of you guys first. So, I, I'm i going to... Start us off, man. Yeah, you start it off, buddy. It's, it's a new year. <laughs> buddy. It's a new you. Start it off. All right. Sounds like it's unanimous there. My number five is a game that I attempted to get... Cole and Sam to both to play, but I think that may, they maybe enjoyed it, but not nearly as much as I did. This game is Dungeon Defenders. Is this on oh, yeah. either of your lists? It's not. It's not on my list, no. Okay, then a fun game. I will continue to talk about it. This is the game that is on my Steam number one most hours put into. I think it's at like 344 or something like that. It's some wild 
absurd number. And it was one of the very few online games that really captivated me, and uh, I, I became a big part of that community. That doesn't typically happen. Like, if you play... Uh, an online game, you're just kind of there to enjoy it. But in Dungeon Defenders, you it's a cooperative game, but if you go further into it, it's it's got a lot of loot, like Diablo style, and you do a lot of selling. So I had a really high ticket kind of shop that I owned because I played so much, and I would just leave the game on all night, and people would just like come and you know jump on into my shop, buy some stuff, and then you know with that money then you could buy other things, and they just kept adding on more and more to the game. So, I have played hundreds of online games, but this is one of the few that I actually felt like I was a big contribution to that community, that I was more than just logging into a game to play and then to stop. Like, I was contributing towards other people's experiences by being a shop owner, who, I, I mean, I like to think that I had some pretty decent stuff. So... Oh man, I I want to like keep talking and hyping this game up. It is one of the five best of the it, entire decade, you know. It, it is a really fun game. Like I I picked it up for the 360, um, and I played that for quite a long time and had a ton of fun setting up uh, my different turrets, uh, leveling up my character and everything. I definitely didn't get into it as much as you did, Ben. Um, but playing that game, uh, just kind of, I don't know, when you start off, it's a little stressful, but it's kind of just fun setting up a turret, hanging back, watching what all the chaos that ensues and watching if you can beat the level or not. Yeah. Well, Cole, you bring up a couple good points there. One, I completely forgot to describe the game, uh, which we should keep in mind to do going forward, but in, sh in a short sense... It is a tower defense game, so the difference is that you play third person behind a specific character who has specific abilities. You can set up towers anywhere on the map, or you can basically be a tower where you, you, have, you all have a melee attack, so you could just go and level up your strength and just become, you know, some minion killing machine or you could kind of sit in the sidelines as, as like a wizard or you know whatever and if you get hit you know your health goes fast but you you're gonna have like 20 different turrets that are hitting things so there's a lot of diversity in the game and uh the other thing that was really cool about it was the dlc they brought in so much additional dlc that they could have basically made a second game and they brought in, I think, four or so new characters that were DLC as well as different worlds. Now, the the one of the things that makes this game above and beyond any other experience that I've ever had is that one of the DLCs actually breached from one type of genre of a game into another one. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a character called the Summoner, and he instead of being third-person mode behind a character, the summoner would have an eagle's-eye view of the whole map. Does, does this sound familiar to either of you guys? I don't remember, no. I don't, I don't think I've played this one at all. Well, basically, the summoner can't get hit at all, uh, but you go into an eagle's-eye view, and it becomes an RTS, similar to, like, StarCraft. So you can place units anywhere on the map, but instead of, the, instead of them being towers, they are your minions. 
and you kind of do the same like StarCraft, like click and drag, and you can send them to certain areas. So he was super cool because it took a style of game, this tower defense, that basically everyone else was playing, and it also incorporated that if you like RTS style, you can play the exact same game, and you can play with your friends, you know, you can play on the same map in the same group, uh, but you can play in RTS if you want, and it was just the coolest thing. I remember playing it and just thinking, like, oh my god, uh, it was such an incredible update, you know, it's like thinking, uh, it's like if they tried to add, like, a rail shooter to The Last of Us or something, and it was like, I didn't expect them to be able to do this, but I love this rail shooter! <laughs> like, it was just a completely different experience for the same game. It was it was the coolest. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why Dungeon Defenders is, is my number five. It's, honestly, I sunk so much time into it, and I must have talked everyone's ear off about it. I, I think that I was one of the first few friends of mine to pick it up, and that I must have tried to convince all of my friends to be like, this game is great, it's awesome. And uh, I think because I was so excited about it, it kind of turned everyone else away, but... <laughs> you were very excited about it. I mean, I did end up picking it up. Yes, it was because it was part of the, like the Xbox monthly gold pass, so it was free. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> but... I mean, I still had a ton of fun playing it. I think I played the Monk uh, a ton. And I mainly set myself up so I could also act as my own turret. And, yep. Uh, kind of just powerhouse through a bunch of enemies. So mm -hmm. the fact that you can actually fight the enemies while setting up towers and everything was a really cool little added feature to tower defenses. Because like, before that, I played a bunch of different tower defenses, especially like mobile tower defenses so just like you always drag you drop your turrets in one way and then you just click go and you just watch things happen being able to actually participate in the actual uh chaos uh was like a nice added feature to the game that was really fun yeah uh the last thing i'm gonna say about this and it's just kind of a fun tidbit it's not specifically why the game was fun but just a good story is that they started to make all this dlc and similar to, like, how Borderlands adds DLC, you got a new tier of uh, level. So you get to level 60, and then, oh, now you can get to level 70. And with a new, like, level that you could get to, you'd also get a new tier of weapons. Instead of them being, like, rare, they were called Supreme, then Transcendent, then whatever. And uh, basically, the prices of these items were so... Like, basically, uh, to, to shorten what I was going to say is that they inflated their own economy because the prices of these items were so absurdly higher than what they originally intended. So at a certain point, they had to add in a uh, something to save their economy where if you nined out, you know, how much does this item cost? It cost 9999999 Like, that wasn't enough for how much an item should cost. <laughs> so they had to add in an additional thing of currency where it was just one, like, ultra gem, but one ultra gem, once you break it down, is 9,999,999. So it, it, was, it was pretty funny to be a part of that. As someone who's owning a shop, we all hit this wall. We're, we're like, uh, there's no point in having a shop because we can't 
you know, and, like, the prices don't reflect how much effort it takes to, to farm these items, and then they, they basically had to, like, reinvent the shop and come up with this new, uh, with this new, uh, currency afterwards. So, I like that. Uh, okay, that, that was the one game that probably isn't on anyone's list. The next ones I'm a little cautious about, but we'll see. So, my number five was Dungeon Defenders. My number four is Pokemon Go. Is this on anyone's... This this one's on my list. Okay. So, I'll skip that for now. So, Pokemon Go this is This is what I considered, four. but it's not on my list. I thought it was a great game, but yeah, we'll get to it later. Uh, and then, the next one, which I'm thinking is probably on someone's list again, is Call of Duty Black Ops 1. Yep. That's on mine. Okay. So... I'm going to hold off on those, but to repeat it once again, my number five is Dungeon Defenders, my number four is Pokemon Go, number three is Call of Duty, Black Ops 1. Uh, who would like to go next? <laughs> yeah, before, before we go on to someone else, I, I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of kind of repeats for yeah. each other. Yeah, Just yeah for sure. It's a decade, and hell, we play a lot of games together, so I would not be surprised if most of our top five ends up being almost similar. <laughs> like some. That's what I was expecting, is our number one, two, and three are probably going to be similar. Uh, where you're going to see the most diversity in these lists are probably numbers four and five, because that comes down to, like, personal preference. But the other yeah. ones, it's like, we played this as, a you know, a group of college kids, or we played this as a... Uh, it was more than a game, it was an experience. It was a communal experience. It's a way of life. I about to say, yes. like, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Sam and I have, like, the same number one. You would be thing. surprised. <laughs> I mean, I could be very surprised. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. What are the five best games out there right now, Cole? Think about it. Five Dylon. Best. Dylon. Dylon, <laughs> Dylon, Dylon. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. Cole, why don't you uh, start with your number five, then? All right. Well, this, this works out perfect, because you already brought this game up, so we'll go ahead and talk about it now. Uh, my number five is Knack HD. Um, great game. Loved it. Just kidding. My, my number five is actually Pokemon Go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. No. <laughs> got uh, so, yeah, I guess I'll start it off. This is a mobile game, which surprisingly made my top five. And it is actually the mobile game that I have definitely put the most time into. Uh, but the fact that they took Catching Pokemon and put it to where you could actually do it on your phone and was kind of like the greatest thing ever. Because yeah. I have put so much time, so much effort into this game. It's insane. And I was looking up while you were talking, and I have caught 450 Pokemon. That I've registered in my Pokedex. Unique Pokemon or just all? Unique. Okay, yeah. Four fifty for unique total. I have five hundred and like thirty. But that's a lot of like shinies or special event Pokemon, mm -hmm. or duplicates for combat and everything. But I thought it was just a really fun Pokemon Go of just bringing that nostalgic um feeling of being able to just catch them all because when i played pokemon that was the only thing i ever wanted to do was just collect every single pokemon i didn't really care how strong or anything was 
I just wanted to have or say that I've collected every single one and I've completed my Pokedex. Um, and be able to do that now has been super fun. I know when it first came out, it was the buggiest, worst game ever to come out. Mainly because nothing worked. could never find a Pokemon. People kept getting themselves killed playing this game. Um, <laughs> but so far, they've changed it, turned it around, and the game works really smoothly now. Uh, it's always something that I can always find like a group of people uh, that play, that I can always be like, hey, you play Pokemon, I play Pokemon. I see that there's a uh, raid or a gym down the street. You want to go uh, battle this gym with me or this raid? Um, it's just kind of a fun game. Here's it's, it's kind of surprised me at the amount of people that actually play it. Because uh, there's a lot of people that I would never expect are big into Pokemon Go, which is really cool. Yeah. The most interesting thing to me about the game is that this... 100% needed to be on my list because they're the best games of the decade and it's a mobile game. Can you imagine the previous decade a mobile game being on a best game of the decade list? I mean it would have been absurd. There there are no good mobile games and I think that it's kind of a turning point for even you know, old farts like myself that are like, oh, mobile games suck like, there's actually a few shining examples where that is no longer the case. There are some mobile games that are actually half decent. Pokemon Go is good. Eternal was a pretty interesting game as well. Like they have really come far in the last ten years. It's it's wild. Yeah, and it's nice too because I mean there are a lot of mobile games these days that are just nothing but ads and money grabs. And Raid Shadow really... Legends. <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends, and it doesn't. I don't feel like this one's a cash grab as much as like the other ones you don't get ads while you play um you can spend money to get like increased pokemon storage or mo more pokeballs and everything um but if you just play you, you don't ever really have to spend money to do it because you already are able to keep your uh, currency up and then you can just if you want to spend money on like uh costume changes for your character which is kind of cool the difference about it is that they prioritized that everyone should be able to do everything, and in comparison, any game that has monetization in it, they don't see that as the same. Basically, you can enjoy the game more if you want to spend some money in it, but it's not like you're going to be better than anyone else if you spend money in it. You just get to... Um, like, I remember it. W I spent a couple dollars into Pokemon Go to increase my inventory size to, to have more Pokemon at once. And if you don't have that storage, you can still play this game for 40 hours and you'll be totally fine. But it's only once you start getting above and beyond that it becomes a necessity. And so that's what I really like about it is other games, they'll give you... A really good taste of what this game can be like other mobile games and then they just completely block you out like the worst thing that mobile games can do is that hey, tell me if this has happened to you guys it's happened to me like a dozen times is where you'll play a game and it's like here's some rubies why don't we go spend the rubies at the ruby store and then it like forces you to buy like this one thing and then you immediately use that thing and it's like now if you want to keep doing that thing that you already did go buy more rubies and it's like 
Why introduce me to a feature that's paid for if it's not part of your... If it's not a core mechanic in your game? Like, that's what annoys me. Yeah. I mean, even with that storage, too, like, if you battle gyms and do stuff like that, you get points towards getting your storage increase. It's not as fast, but you can still do it without having to spend money, which is nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have put money into it. I think I put maybe... 20 bucks into it but it was more just like i wanted to support this game because i had so much fun and with it that i i wanted to see it continue going and just one other thing is just like the community around pokemon go as i was touching on it's like it's surprising to see the type of people that do play because i've gotten to like some of the community days and there's some like the nicest people that i've met and it's crazy because i've seen just like 80 year old grandmas out there with their smartphones catching pokemon not really mm-hmm. knowing 100 percent what they're doing but they're out there catching pokemon having just a grand time yeah so, oh well i guess the biggest draw for me is that this game came out while i had a travel job i was anyone that's listened to the podcast for a while i've mentioned this before but i had a job where i was going all around the u.s I mean, everywhere, Minnesota, Texas, New York City, Hawaii, like, I was hitting all different, uh, every corner of the U.S., and this game was released at the perfect time. Whenever I wasn't at work, I was, like, walking around, which I I normally did, but now I get to do it and play Pokemon as well. I'm not just, like, wandering around randomly i was i was wandering around actually doing something you know prior to it i was like staying in hotels and i was just like i'm bored out of my mind i want to walk around just to leave my hotel room but now it's like oh well we'll go to the mall and we'll catch some pokemon and you know we'll have a good time and then you'll see other people playing and you'll kind of smile and chat up a little bit like i like that experience and it just it, it like i already used this phrase before but it was just the perfect time for the game to come out for me i couldn't have been more uh, more outgoing than when I had this travel job. And when I was in Taiwan last year, the same exact thing happened. I hadn't touched it for a year or two, and then I, I loaded it up, and there I was, just walking around Taiwan as I would have done normally, and, you know, now I'm catching Pokemon, too. And that was one of the best things for me. I loved exploring the city and exploring new places and playing this game. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that actually gets you up and moving to pl- while you play, which is always a cool thing. Like, back at, when I was living in Montana, I would always be like, hey, who wants to just go downtown, down on Main Street, walk around, play a little Pokemon, and then maybe grab a beer afterwards? Mm-hmm. So, it was always kind of like a fun little thing to do. Yeah, I mean, even now, it's, I mean, it's cold right now, it's middle of January, but even later, I should say, this when it starts to get warmer out, I would very much be down to, like, hang out with some local friends, play some Pokemon Go. Like, I live right next to a national park, and I've been there a hundred times, but it's just another additional reason to go out and, you know, get moving. It's not specifically because it's healthy or because, you know, I want to, you know, get my pedometer up to 10,000 each day or something. It's just because I want to genuinely do this to have fun. I think that's I think that's a huge incentive as to why this game is on this list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the last little piece for me is just uh, you also collect gifts that you can uh, give out to your friends. And the gifts are the different like uh, art pieces or 
uh, special areas uh, that have a Pokestop. And I always thought it was really cool because it actually says where it's from. So I have actually kept a couple of gifts and Pokestops just from like spots that I've visited. That I'm like, you know what? It's cool. I can always say I can always go back into this game and be like, oh yeah, there's my gift from the time I was in Vegas and stuff. And I can see it's like, oh, I remember when I I picked this up and just like the different little memories that go along with it, which is fun. Yeah, the same way that people have like trinkets and souvenirs this is like a digital souvenir it's something that can tie you to that memory so yeah i could get that yeah i like my last day in montana like i grabbed a pokestop and i still haven't given that uh gift away i've kept that one just because it's kind of just my memory of like this was the last day i was in montana and this was uh, the last thing i did so give it to me fuck you (laughs) It's, it's precious to me yeah, but that's all I got to say about Pokemon. Quite a bit, yeah. but figure if we're going to say that these games are top five of the decade, then we got to really sell them. So, yeah, that's why Pokemon Go is great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that was my number five there. Um, to continue down my list, my number four is actually going to be Dark Souls. I know this is definitely not on either of yours because I know you guys have never played these games, but the original Dark Souls... Um, is a game that I I really really liked and I really got into mm-hmm. and kind of I know pretty simple concept but the whole thing <sighs> is you're like an undead that has to figure out like what's going on in this world and as you go along you just constantly get killed over and over again um, but I just really loved it because the difficulty aspect of the game uh, was so crazy compared to like a lot of other games that you play and that you grind through and like I played a bunch of like Ninja Gaiden back in the day which was always super hard and it was really fun having Dark Souls where I can make any kind of character I want I can play this game any different way uh, and have a good time and just feel super accomplished when I beat any boss or just get past any area um, just that sense of accomplishment of beating this super hard boss always feels super good and I have like a specific memory of playing the first one where I was leaving in a house with four other guys and I was showing the game off to uh, one of my roommates and one of our friends and I was fighting uh, a giant wolf with a sword like this thing had been kicking my ass but I thought it was super cool so I wanted to show it to him and of course like the one time I decided to show him is the time I actually finally beat this boss and I felt so good and so cool like beating this giant ass wolf with this giant sword uh, finally after like struggling super hard and doing it with people actually watching me do it was really cool (laughs) I bet they were all like Cole you're so cool (laughs) you're so cool man (laughs) no but I, I mean jokes aside that is really I mean it seems like things always work the opposite for me when I'm like, check this out, and then like my computer starts on fire or something. So it's cool <laughs> that that actually worked out for you. You know, I was totally expecting, like, I just wanted to show them like how hard this game was and how ridiculous this game was. So it's like a hundred percent going in there ready just to die. And I ended up like pulling it off, and I was like, man, I made that game look good. <laughs> that's that's what's the secret is no fear. You went in there, you're not afraid of death, and then you won. <laughs> No afraid of death, though. No. Yeah, I, 
the, the first Dark Souls just has like a special spot in my heart. Um, it, out of all of the From Software games, I definitely have to say I like Sekiro more than the other ones that I played. But Dark Souls just has a special spot in my heart, um, and that's kind of why I wanted it to be in my top five for the decade, just because it's also what got me into the the series as well. Yeah, and you could pull from what got you into the series, but also you could say that it had such a cultural shift. You know, people describe it as its own genre now. It's a Dark Souls game, and also it inspired Sekiro, so you could pull at it from different angles, but it makes sense that this one is, even though it's maybe not the strongest title, it's the one that was first introduced to you and kicked everything else off. Yeah, I mean, it really is... A genre of its own at this point i mean hell the star wars game that uh sam was playing is considered a dark souls style game where it's just when you die it makes you uh regret dying and it is a game that you just <laughs> have bad. to get good that is bad it just feels bad feels bad man so but yeah dark souls i know i've already talked a bunch about dark souls earlier so I won't talk too much longer on that one. Bold statements only on this channel. Death is bad. Death is bad. Alright. What's your number three? Number three is going to be Skyrim. Not on my list. Nope. Alright. I'm actually surprised. I thought this would be on at least one of your guys' list. It was close. I, had um, so I considered this one too. Yeah. Um, this one... It was on my short list. Your, your, your short list? Which was, like, yeah, I mean, 40 games. <laughs> <laughs> this was hard. I mean, thinking about games over a decade was really hard for me, and it took a lot to, like, go back and just think about, like, what games have I played the most? What games do I constantly go back to? Uh, or what games just have like a really big impact on me over the last decade mm-hmm. and I'll be 100% honest if uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion had actually come out in the last decade that would have been on the list but that was actually the decade before I'm glad you mentioned uh, that because I, I loved Oblivion um, but I actually really enjoyed playing Skyrim as well Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to describe this game because, fuck, this is a game that everyone knows at this point because it's been ported to every single system. What's a, a Skyrim? <laughs> you can play this game on your Alexa, uh, which I have definitely done while making food, is play a little Skyrim. Mm, I've heard about hilarious. this. It's like a mud game, multi-user dungeon. They, It's like a text-based game, right? Yeah, it's a text-based... It's a choose-your-own-adventure kind of game. Like, it gives you some text, you decide what you want to do, and then it goes down that path. Mm-hmm. So. But the actual game of Skyrim, um, I think this was a game, when it came out, um, me and some of my friends, when I was going to school in Oregon, uh, actually st- stayed out, went to the opening, or, like, the release of this game, waited in line which in our little college town where there was only a GameStop the line was fairly long and I took like the next day skipped class 
which was definitely not the best idea since I didn't finish school there, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a different story. Partially because uh, of Skyrim. <laughs> partially because of Skyrim, but I mean, I, I put a ton of hours into playing Skyrim and just being able to create your own kind of character. There is no rails. I can explore, do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's always kind of like my favorite thing of any of the Elder Scroll or Fallout games was I don't have to do the main storyline, which most of the times I never actually do the main storyline. I just go off and do just random things. Um, and I had just like a ton of fun doing that, finding, exploring every little cave or dungeon. Um, I think my favorite thing that I did in Skyrim was there was a not an actual quest uh, or where it actually like gives you markers or anything like that. It was like a hidden quest where you had to collect all these different um, I think they're called I remember it. They're called Dragon Lords. You collect their different masks. You bring them to this one tomb uh, who awakens like the supreme leader and everything. This like giant wraith that has three times the health of any normal like wraith that you find and can hit you like with every kind of magic attack possible uh was just really cool just like finding him and having to fight like this crazy weird boss hmm. or just doing a fushro da on the top of a mountain and just sending someone flying as far away as possible was always super fun that was great i loved that <laughs> you just walk up to someone and it's like and you're flying now well, this is the reason why Elder Scrolls will always be better than any Fallout game. Fight me on that statement, by the way, if you want. But it's because I would fight of, you on that statement. It's because magic, dude. Like, magic makes that game so much better. When you can turn people into animals and when you can make them go flying and stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's so much fun with the Jabberwocky stick that I had and all this other oh, crap. The Jabberwocky stick was hilarious turn people like super small or gigantic you're a also, bucket the giants now in that game that would like hit you with a club and you just like get spiked into the ground and then fly straight up into the air it's not a bug it's a feature <laughs> everyone was like this is bugged they're like no it's part of the game we wanted you to fly and ragdoll across the map after you got hit by a giant you can also talk about the cultural impact of skyrim too i mean what Nine years ago, we were all laughing about how someone took an arrow to the knee once or something. <laughs> like, like, it was basically one of the, not the first few memes, but it was up there with, like, you know, one of the first few meme trends, I would say. Yeah, it was, I mean, just the memes itself trended for quite a while. Yeah. So. Every It felt like everyone was playing that game. Yeah, I, I don't know a person who has never at least touched it, or I guess at least heard of it. So, hmm. Just because it has such an impact. And honestly, I've been waiting for him to come out with a new one, because I'm tired of playing just the same Skyrim. I have all the DLC, and I just want more. But of course, they're uh, spending all their time with Fallout, what, 66? 76. Isn't it crazy, 76. though? Like, they yeah, who cares made... what the number is? They... Yeah, Fallout Garbage Trash Can. Uh, yeah, that one. They haven't it's made like... an Elder Scrolls since in the last nine years, I think. I mean, that is insane. Elder Scrolls Online. 
they, uh, they came out with that, that doesn't online. count that was supposed to be their continuation because there was always the conversation with a lot of people in the community of like oh man this would be really fun to play with like friends so they turned it into an MMO which uh, from the outside it looks decent I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I don't think it's gonna play off as good but I, I check it out on trailers and gameplay and it looks fun Sam and I played it for like a hot second it was yeah, Not we downloaded great. it. <laughs> <laughs> we ran around. I think we got chased by guards for a while. Yeah, we did uh, like the first mission. Stop right there, criminal scum. <laughs> it's pretty much we, we weren't sure what to do and we accidentally just like started attacking people in town. <laughs> yeah. So But yeah, it doesn't feel like the same kind of Elder Scrolls game. Like just the visuals, everything looks a lot worse. It does. They made it look worse somehow. Yeah, it looks really bad. So, it, for me, I always wanted like these games to be just like a co-op where you can have just like one other friend come and join you, just so that way you guys can like both have your character and just show off the different things you're gonna do, or just have a two people doing fusro da back and forth at each other would be hilarious. My thing is, it doesn't make any sense for them to try to add everyone to a single game. I really like how they'll do small communities of, like, you can start your own game and invite people to it, if that makes sense. Like, you can make your own server of the game, and if you wanted to have, like, four people to play with, then that could be online. That would be cool. Like, yeah, Divinity like 2 style. Nice. Yeah. I think yeah, it would be... like, Borderlands style. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, you load into your game, and, like, if you killed this person, you know, previously, then that person's still dead. Like, the impacts that you make on the world are permanent, but if you ever fuck up enough, you can just load in a new game or something. Yeah. I thought that, that idea would always be really cool. Did you ever play Fable 2? No. Yeah. It had uh, multiplayer, sort of like that, like what you're describing. You could you could join your friend as your character and uh, play the game through through that. It was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it's like how like I think the reason that Minecraft is so successful is because people can make their own servers and invite whoever they want. If Minecraft's online multiplayer was invite everyone to a single server, like that would be terrible. <laughs> that game would not be as popular as it is if like you spawn in and you know it's just nothing because everything's been destroyed and like everyone's made a bunch of like wooden penises and stuff like, like that game would be shit but the fact that you can make your own server and invite your own friends and just play with them is a good online experience i think an mmo being like hundreds of people is way too ambitious of an idea anymore I, you also i feel like you have to be a certain kind of person who enjoys the mmo style anyways of just having kind of that huge community setup compared to like I just want to play with my friends so and I think that's kind of like where they missed the mark is they wanted everyone and they wanted to be the next World of Warcraft but instead mm -hmm. it did not so but they I know there's talks of the next um, Elder Scrolls game they talked about it in the last E3 they announced it exciting because it wasn't just Todd Howard going up on stage saying, we ported Skyrim over so you can play it on your vacuum now, guys. This just right. works. Just, you guys like Skyrim so much, you can play it on your commute to work now. 
we, we put in your newest Teslas. There you go. What I'm not even excited for the next one. What? You're not excited for the next one? No. Did you play Fallout 76? I Nobody did. did. <laughs> Is that a rhetorical <laughs> question? The fact that people Nobody even did. do. Did you, did you play Fallout 4? Those games, yes. they, they need a new engine so bad. Those games all look like they were made in the early 2000s. I, I thought Fallout, Fallout 4 wasn't terrible. It was an, a definitely better from uh, New Vegas. Oh, dis heavy hard disagree. Really? You're going to get Vegas a lot of hate like coming your way. is the best one. <laughs> New Vegas is everybody's favorite. <laughs> I like Fallout 3 better than New Vegas, but New Vegas is very good game. I, do, I like 3 better than New Vegas. I could never get through New Vegas because you had to make a decision on what you wanted to do with all the different tribes. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to make a decision of like just wiping a whole group off the map. So I'd always just kind of like stop there. I was like, okay, I'm done. Easy, just join the Legion. <laughs> You're right, I should just join the goddamn Legion. You try to kill everyone. Why, why do I only get to destroy one faction? <laughs> I think the biggest thing that everyone generally agrees with Fallout 4 is that in terms of the narrative, it was wrong. Because the options for the narrative were only like, agree, disagree, ask for more questions, and then, like, I can't remember what the last one was, but it kind of had like a formula for... Like, the text didn't really have as much immersion as the previous ones had, and the fact that it was all audibly spoken made it also a lot slower. Yeah, Fallout 4 felt like, out of a game that, like, you get to make decisions, and it's, like, your world, Fallout 4 felt like you, you didn't really get to make that many decisions. Mm -hmm. You just, you were actually stuck on rails, which kind of sucked. But that's, from what I can tell, that was the biggest reason why people didn't like Fallout 4. Other than that, I would agree with Cole. I mean, I think that adding a lot more color to the game was a big improvement, um, but just the narrative really drove me away. Same. All right. But yeah, that was Skyrim, my number three. All right. To bring it all back around after we constantly get uh, sidetracked on our conversations. I think it's important, though. These these tangents kind of work a little bit more, because to talk about why a game is one of the best games of the decade, you also have to talk about the company and, you know, everything else that they've done and why this game was such a success in your mind. So I think that the tangents are all sort of still rel relevant, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> try, try to keep them together a little bit. <laughs> Trying to salvage it. Sam, you're up. Batter up. Um, okay. Uh, my number five is Hearthstone. Solid choice. Not on my anybody list. else's list. Okay, so Ooh, all right. Sort of surprised, but Hearthstone was and is. I don't play it as much now, but it was my uh, mobile game. I I played it mostly on mobile. Um, it it is uh, a card game. <laughs> And yes. I used to play this like every day when it came out. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything really to say. It's just really good. <laughs> yeah, I had that as an honorable mention. Like if we had a top ten, 
Hearthstone was going to be on there. The only way Melissa's going to be any good is if other people have stuff to say. Why? Uh, I just can't think. Um, <laughs> too many alcohols from last yeah, night. Yeah, too many. Well, yeah. I think Hearthstone, okay, I'll, I'll. it's not on my list, but I'll join you on that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll help you out, Sam. Help me, please. I'll just say, uh, I think thinking about other previous card games that have come out before Hearthstone, there was a few of them that were relatively unpopular, and then Hearthstone kind of brought it to the masses. Like, there was card games for Yu-Gi-Oh! There was card games for Magic the Gathering online. And so Hearthstone isn't specifically original in that sense, but they really brought a lot of the style to it, as Blizzard normally does. They made the game a lot more whimsical and fun. Uh, if you look at the user interfaces for Yu-Gi-Oh! and and Magic, they are, like, very serious and, like, black backgrounds and, like, not a lot of show. And then they have completely changed it, from what I can tell, for these games. But, I mean, there was, like, zero competition in terms of, like, whimsical card game, I guess. I, I, would, I wouldn't even say just the whimsical part. I think, like, the biggest thing that helped Hearthstone out was they made uh, the actual card system super easy to pick up. Yeah, I mean, if you ever played Magic, you have to shuffle in a certain amount of mana cards uh, to be able to get your deck to actually, or to be able to do anything with your deck. With Hearthstone, like you get a certain amount of mana every single turn, so they just streamline how you can actually progress through the different turns, which is really nice. And then they also made like all the extra um, special effects that a uh, card can do pretty easy and straightforward, which was nice. And the cards yeah. interact together really well, too. Yeah. Um, everything looks really good. It's very smooth. Mm -hmm. On the point of like comparing it to the Magic card games or Yu-Gi-Oh card games. Yeah, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh specifically, I look at those cards and they've gotten like three paragraphs on every card. I mean, that game is just not optimized. And you can be a fan of that or not, but the point is is that you need a microscope to read everything on those cards. Yeah, getting getting into Yu-Gi-Oh, especially, like, these days, is super hard because they made the game, like, way more complex. Like, when the Yu-Gi-Oh first came out, it was pretty straightforward. Like, you can only have this type of card out if you have uh, a card that's smaller than it out and you have to replace it to make it come out and now you have to like I have to have my blue eyes white dragon synchronized with the time of the moon cycle to be able to play my blue eyes black dragon to do this special attack because Mars is in retrograde right now like just some ridiculous stuff along that line yeah I never played no. Yu-Gi-Oh but my the gist of it is step one Heart of the cards, step two, summon Exodia, step three, victory is where is the you extent of my knowledge. You activated my trap card, my friend. <laughs> Yell at the other opponent, slam your flimsy cards down on the table as hard as you can. <laughs> oh, and have that little fucking card holder on your arm, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Can can't you make disc? Can't you make your own, like, your deck sizes whatever you want in Yu Gi Oh? I don't know. You can. So There's, why doesn't people just have a five-card deck and it's just Exodia? No, so 
There's a minimum. <laughs> the minimum is, I think it was 30 cards, but after oh. that, you can have more than 30. Oh, okay. So it's like, you can be insane and just have a huge deck, which there are actual builds for that. Yeah. Where you have a bunch of cards, and then you just hope for one card that lets you burn through the rest of them. I've seen that before. People only have burn cards, and then all that they have is in their deck is like the one card that they're looking to play, whether it is an equivalent or, you know, something similar to Exodia, but basically the, all of their cards are just, you know, discard, grab two cards, discard, grab a card, and then they just keep doing that until they find the one or two cards that the they want. The five pieces of Exodia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all five pieces. But yeah, so but to get back, back onto to Hearthstone. Like, back to Hearthstone. Hearthstone, as I said, was way more straightforward. You do have, like, the different classes, and you have, like, different builds, which is kind of cool. So you can play as, like, a mage, a druid, a paladin, and warlock, warlock and shaman. shaman. I think the, the most interesting thing, too, about Hearthstone is that the other card games... I, I mean, this might sound like a very redundant sentence, but I promise it's going somewhere. The other card games are based on card games. Hearthstone is based basically on a video game so there are things that you can do in hearthstone like random card generators and and uh and like you know this will attack a random enemy for five damage like there are things that you can do in a digital board that you can't do in a physical game or at least it would be about a lot more complicated so they took a lot of elements that basically are unavailable to Yu-Gi-Oh and to magic and they made it so that it was not only accessible, but also preferred and exciting to play on, on a digital board. Well, yeah, they also, I mean, with the fact that you have to actually pick a class, I think makes a huge difference, because your actual, like, class matters, because you get to use your hero as, like, a an additional uh, card or person out on the board, because they all have different abilities that they can also play uh, if they don't have any cards that they want to play that turn. Which is kind of cool added aspect. Mm -hmm. So like I'm a mage. Oh, I don't really have any cards. I'm just gonna use my arcane blast and hit you for one damage. <laughs> Cole, we've been over this. You're not a mage. You work in sales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wizard. I'm a wizard. All right. I I've watched some uh, professional Hearthstone tournaments, and it's really I think it's a good esport. It's really fun to watch. Um, Everybody knows you know, what's in the decks because it's what's optimized at the moment. Uh, and there's counters, to, uh, deck counters, specific deck counters and stuff. Um, it's very fun to watch the like high-end Hearthstone competitions. Mm -hmm. I have watched a couple like pro streams for Hearthstone. It is pretty fun to like check out their card decks and how they go through things. It's, I agree. It's it's a really good esport as well. <laughs> Hearthstone is a good game, and that's why it's my number five game of the decade. Okay. All right. My number All four right. game is Minecraft. It's on my list. It is not on my list. What is I wrong with you? I I don't know. It wasn't as big. Minecraft? <laughs> Minecraft's the biggest, what, what is the biggest game probably of all time. All right, so we'll talk about that later. My number three game is The Binding of Isaac. Not on Not my on list. list. All right. So, 
The Binding of Isaac is a roguelike dungeon crawler, as we all know. Um, when Ben introduced me to this game, it uh, totally sucked me in. I would play Binding of Isaac in in queue times for a game that we're going to talk about later. Um, and just <laughs> pretty much every every like moment of free time when I wasn't doing anything else, I was trying to climb through Binding of Isaac and beat uh, Mom. Um, all the different combinations of items that you can get, some of them work together, some of them work horribly. Uh, it's just a really, really fun game. Yeah. No, that, that was a game that we all kind of played uh, when it first came out and I just remember every day always like talking to you guys and everyone else like oh how much how further did you get this time oh oh I got this far this time or I actually finally unlocked this oh Binding of Isaac was the most multiplayer single player experience I've ever played (laughs) we were (laughs) we were all playing it at the same time as Cole was gonna say but yeah I just I thought of that phrase and I wanted to mention it. Is it even though we never played with each other because it's single player, we all were basically like in the same room playing the game for hours on end. I remember in college. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, wasn't there like six of us at a time just all playing Binding of Isaac, just all trying to see who can get further than the other person? Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, I think I don't know if we ever did this, but I remember watching some stuff on Twitch where people would do Binding of Isaac races, where you start at the same time and then you race to whoever gets to uh, the first main boss, Mom, uh, on like level five or something. And I always thought like that would be a cool idea. But yeah, like it goes to show how much people loved this game that they were willing to like. It's a single player game, but they wanted to make tournaments out of it, you know. It's one of the games that I'm, I, I own it on my computer and I own it on my Switch as well. And I play it all the time on my Switch when I don't want to like get sucked into some Zelda game or some Mario game or anything. I just have a couple quick minutes. It's a really good uh, handheld game. You can uh-huh. just play a quick round and um, depending on your time, you can keep going or you can stop. I mean, it does help that they updated it so you can actually pause where you're at. Yeah, pausing is good. Game before when we first played it there was no saving no quitting the game if you wanted to pause you'd have to pause in that room leave it open on your computer where you're at and come back to it later mm-hmm. yeah and the modding community as well i'm gonna go ahead and say that the only other community that i've ever used for modding is elder scrolls and fallout but binding of isaac has some incredible mods and so much so that they have the creator of the game, Edmund McMillan, and his company, uh, Nicalis, I think, they have added in mods as, like, a monthly thing where people make the most, you know, whatever the the top most interesting thing is, they'll add it to the game every few months. It's just a really cool idea. So far as one of the mods that they added in was this whole other two-level series where it's, like, a water world and a fire world as well. I mean, it's... Like, it's insane, and the game just keeps getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) And he made this game by himself, didn't he? It was him and one other guy, and then I think they had a falling out lately, but yeah, it started out as just him and another dude. Which is is insane to me. Like, it's so good, and it was just two dudes working on a computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is crazy to think, just because that game was pretty big and actually pretty popular, too, so... Yeah, still is. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I like Being to think, all over the place. I like to think that Super Meat Boy was the first indie game that I was like, like this. This is an actual genre of games. It's not. I, I remember playing it and thinking that every other experience I've played before then was like a triple A game. It had a, a physical version at you know Blockbuster Family Video or something, and uh, now. This was the first game that I downloaded. I had no vi- no like digital version or no physical version of, and I it, it was like my most played game that year. So yeah, it, it like really Super Meat Boy was that first game, and then Binding of Isaac being the same creator. Yeah, that that whole company like opened up that door for indie games for me. Well, yeah, that actually was the time when I first got on to, like Steam, and that was one of my first Steam games that I ever had. Mm-hmm. Was Binding of Isaac because of you guys? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, basically just backing up what Sam said. It's the it's absurd how many combinations of items you can get. Up until that game, I don't think I've ever seen so much diversity in like attacks and combinations, and that that easily is the biggest draw of it. Yeah, your your playthrough is never going to be the same back to back. It's always going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good games. Good game. Good games. So All right. Choices so far, boys. We're getting into uh, what I assume is a lot of repeaters here. My number two is League of Legends. This that is, is on my list. <laughs> yeah, same. This is the only. <laughs> this is the only episode I will ever say anything good about League of Legends. I'm honestly surprised that you put this as your number two, as someone who has like dropped this game and has not come back to it in at least five years five years yeah seriously like the fact you put this as your number two blows my mind right now i how much did we play this game i mean even if i haven't touched it in years a decade's a long time and it consumed at least three of those 10 years (laughs) uh i'm gonna go ahead and say this though my number one and my number two were released late of 2009 league of legends was released in October 2009, and the fact is is that I didn't play these games until this decade, so I'm still adding them in. I hope that... We should have specified that, but I hope that you guys also were on board with that. I mean, it was like beta version when it was actually released. Yeah. Wasn't it 2010? Yeah, because they just had their 10-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe, I believe so. The in- yeah, it's... I thought it was the beta version. They had their 10... Yeah. Uh, in October of 2019, they had their their 10 year anniversary. But yeah, it's basically no one was playing this game until this decade, or last yeah. decade, I guess. Anyway, Cole, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, actually. All right, that was my number three. So, Sam, is this on your list at all? No. All right. All right, we can finally talk about this one. Black Ops. Black Ops. So, this was probably the last Call of Duty game that I actually played online, like, continuously. So, really, since this one, I haven't... I picked up one other Call of Duty game, but barely even played it. But Black Ops, to me, was just so much fun. The Nazi zombie maps on it were really good. Um, it brought 
or it let you have all the ones from World at War, uh, but also continued with some more uh, crazy kind of maps uh, like um, Call of the Dead which you get to play as different movie actors fighting against George Romero who yeah. becomes a giant zombie Danny Trejo uh, the Michelle can't remember her name but the woman from Buffy Michelle the Geller. Vampire Slayer yeah. uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, Michael Roker and yeah Twitter Roker plays. that's true uh, Freddy from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Or no, 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 no that's Elm. not right. Uh, I forget who the last one was. Here, let me look it up. Sorry. Right. Danny Trejo yeah, so from Predators and Halloween, Sarah Michelle Gellar from Buffy and the Grudge, Robert Englund from Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Michael Roker yeah. from The Walking Dead. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Michael Roker was the the asshole brother of the uh, the Hicks. Yeah. Maybe he still is part of it. I I think he got he, killed. He got killed off long, long ago. All right. So he is no longer in the series. Confirmed dead this time. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiled it. Um, but to go back to <laughs> Call of Duty, um, yeah, I mean, this is a game I would play on xbox live until super super early into the morning with friends um playing the different game modes like gun game which was always really fun <laughs> i love gun game, love gun game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, sam this isn't zombies. specifically on your list but like you and i played a ton of the multiplayer back in the day too we, we played a ton of black ops one together i'm pretty sure thought we did uh, i don't know which one we played but yeah we did play a bunch of uh, call of duty Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gun Game was great. Uh, I honestly, I, sorry, I didn't mean to bogart this <laughs> for what you were saying. I feel like I cut you off a little bit, oh, Cole. Oh, yeah, you're good, you're good. <laughs> but I was going to say that I, I think that they had the most interesting weapons in it, too. The ballistics knife that had a projectile knife, I think that was the first time that was introduced. They had yeah, the, the tomahawk. that had an, ex- an explosive tip which yep. was also really cool. That was one of my favorites. I remember I had specifically a melee uh, loadout that was explosive crossbow, ballistics knife, and two tomahawks. And if I ever got a kill with the tomahawk, I think it reloaded my tomahawks and like all this other shit. And you have uh, abilities like you, you can always run. Like uh, Back in old Call of Duties, you couldn't just constantly run. In old Call of Duties... Uh, but you had to take breaks, and there's perks to, like, you know, scavenger. You pick up equipment when you run over someone. Uh, you can always run. Stealth, you stay off people's radars. A lot of this stuff has continued into the current generations, but it, it, a lot of it started around, like, you know, Modern Warfare and Black Ops 1 era, and they just, like, it just all clicked with me. I love playing those, like, cheesing kind of, uh, classes, and that one, I loved every, I, like, I loved all of that. Yeah, I mean, even the, the actual story mode for Black Ops was um, actually fairly good for a Call of Duty game, because this was the one that let you, or that was super controversial when it came out. Vietnam! It wasn't, was this Vietnam? Yeah. I this is the one that had, um, oh yeah, you're right, this is the one where you're paranoid and you're like thinking that the guy that you broke out of jail with uh, is like your longtime military buddy, but actually he's just a hallucination that you've had this whole time. 
And spoilers. Spoilers for this game <laughs> that came out in November of 2010. Spoilers. What, what was that guy's name? Res- Reznov or something? Yeah, Reznov. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, that one was a great one. I remember breaking out of prison with that guy, and he's like... It's it's so dumb to remember it now, but I uh, I remember the breaking out of prison, Reznov, the guy with you. He'd be like running past, and I guess that like the idea is that they all the guys were working together, and Reznov was like, "Step number two, push the truck," and then all the guys would be like, "Yeah," and they'd be, like, "Step number three, take the tower." <laughs> it was just so dumb, but it was kind of funny too. Um. Just the start of that. The prison break was always really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I will I will let you talk about the multiplayer and the single player, uh, but I mean zombies, that's Zombies Zombies is definitely where I spent most of my time. Oh I, yeah. I spent a lot of time uh playing the zombies. Uh that was like one thing that me and one of my good friends uh from high school would always play like all the time. So, mm-hmm. I I spent and sunk a ton of time. Yeah. So, well, the first game with zombies was World at War, and then Black Ops One was where they had they basically refined that idea. At the end of World at War, they released their fourth DLC called Derice, and that one had like it just it, it was at that point where it just clicked. You could get sodas to make your guy stronger you could upgrade your weapons every fifth round there was dogs that would come at you and then the round and then there was like teleporters and a story and stuff now and so they took everything that worked well on this last dlc and they made it a full-fledged part of the game in black ops 1 so this is where not only did you get uh all of the things that were in this great dlc but those were all core elements and in the future, Black Ops 2, 3, 4, I mean, personally, they started to get a little out of control, but this is the one where it was, like, perfect. It was within a focused scope, and everything worked very well. The other cool thing about Zombies 2 is that they had Dead Ops Arcade. The bonus game version had a bonus game version, which Dead Ops Arcade is a twin-stick shooter. It was the coolest. Which was really funny, because the way you unlock it is... You unlock it in the menu screen because uh, how it starts is you're in a chair, your arms and legs are bound to the chair, and you have to, instead of picking an option to play like multiplayer, campaign, or zombies, you just sit there, keep moving your sticks back and forth, and you actually break out of the, your restraints. And you have to go to the computer in the back where you actually find Dead Ops Arcade downloaded on that computer, and that's how you unlock it for the first time. Yeah, it was Which a really cool hidden such secret. A cool concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they could have done it where it's just like a bonus unlockable at the end of the game. They could have done it where it's just like, you know, Konami code that you enter stuff in. But the fact that it was something that was instantly accessible, you know, you could break out of that chair whenever you wanted to in the menu. Something that was not just a code that you input, you had to go to the computer and there was a small code, but it, it was it was more interactive than just pressing buttons at a menu screen. Um they really made it like a bit more uh, exciting to 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 reveal this secret game. But I think yeah, that one had the trifecta. It had everything. Um, 
I think the single player personally was probably the weakest part of it still, but I, that doesn't mean that the rest of the game was, like, it, it still held value, you know? Yeah, and it's still, I mean, I think it still holds up to for just Call of Duty storylines. Just the fact that you were, like, the bad guy the whole time, or the whole, you had this Spoilers. the whole time, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm going to spoil the hell out of this game. That's that's all that I got to say about Black Ops 1, though. Just number three for me, number two for Cole, but uh, just zombies is, is where it was at for me. Same. Zom- zombies was the main thing for me. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Sam? Two. Sam? Who's next? Number I don't even two. Remember. Sam, it's you. Okay. My number two game, which isn't going to be on either of your lists, is Counter-Strike Global Offensive. That's on my list. My, um... The one thing I would enjoy more in life than anything else is to get other people that I know to enjoy Counter-Strike as much as I do. This is the best eSport by far to watch. Um, It's the best shooter game ever made, for sure. It's, like, entirely skill-based. The maps are all good. The economy system is is very intricate and uh, takes some time to learn. Um, Super good. Best shooter game. Is it a better shooter than Fallout 76? I wouldn't know. I've never played Fallout 76. (laughs) No one's played Fallout 76. Come on. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Counter-Strike is a fun game. I would have gotten into it way more if it wasn't for the fact that uh, if your team doesn't like you, you, they can kick you off and vote you off the team. Which would always happen to me. I would constantly just get <laughs> votes coming through of, oh god, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Which was true. I was still trying to learn. Just be more likable. Just <laughs> be more likable. So I'd always get votes to get kicked off constantly. <laughs> I don't have anything to add, honestly. It's but so it, good. I, I, I've had a lot of fun playing around so just like the non. Um, competitive games where what the sniper one where all this you as a sniper can just like jump super high and uh, jump around the map like crazy it was always really fun I know it's a random custom game or uh, that one had gun game as well right yeah it does yeah so played a few games gun game with you on there which was cool as well if yeah, anybody was, ever ever listens to this, wants to play Counter Strike, just hit me up. I'm I'm down. I'm so lonely. Let me please have a friend on Counter Strike. That that is my only like. If I had other people that played this game with me, it would probably be my number one. But playing solo all the time gets annoying. I feel you. I'm sorry. I suck at that game. Yeah, you do. You need good. to put in some hours. <laughs> I keep getting kicked off. I can't. Well, don't play ranked. <laughs> that's all you let me play is right you got a dm for like a year or two the <laughs> and closest you might be ready <laughs> year or two perfect <laughs> the closest thing i've played to it is rainbow six siege i think that the, knowing that i like that game and not counter-strike i think i just don't like the economy in counter-strike i, I think that that's what i've been able to whittle it down to i like the economy honestly it's kind of nice because it's not like Call of Duty where 
someone who's been playing the game for hundreds of hours has unlocked every single gun. It's just going to come destroy anyone who's first starting off. When you have the economy set up, like it just depends on how you play that game, not how much you've played uh, previously on what you can get. So it's kind of yeah. nice because you can still it's get so good. all the different games or and have kind of the same advantage. It's just how good are you actually at the game, which, as I said, I suck. You don't have to unlock any, like, what are they called? People, heroes, whatever. There's no Chain special ends. abilities. There's no, there's, no, there's no unlocking guns. It's just how good are you at clicking on their heads versus how good they are at clicking on your heads. See, I like that idea a lot more. Siege was really fun to begin with, but I think that they're becoming... Uh, the adding more characters was fun for a while, and now it's like overly confusing, where... I don't know who does what, and there's a bunch of random different shit. And some guys are clearly overpowered than others now. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't remember the last game that I played where a guy was, honest to God, playing uh, the, the turret guy in, in Rainbow Six Siege, and it wasn't a joke. The only time people <laughs> ever play with him is the troll. <laughs> but, so, like, I like that idea of it a lot, is that they don't use such gimmicks. Uh, it's just... Yeah, skill, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's my number two. Solid game. All right. Somebody play with me, please. <laughs> anyone, anyone listening, Sam is looking for a friend. Hit him up. Leave a comment down below. Uh, comment your sir. username. <laughs> yeah, could just leave all your personal information so he'll find you. Yes, please. <laughs> please, uh... Please dox yourself, and <laughs> then we'll play some Counter-Strike. Uh, the only people who listen are, to this know me, so just add me. Text me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just text you. <laughs> Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Uh, hey, we might get famous, like, five years from now, and someone's going to come back through this be like, oh, man, I want to listen to what these guys used to talk about, like, years ago. Maybe. Find this, and they'll be like, oh, man, I want to play some Counter-Strike with the same guy. I, the thing be too is, popular at that point. I can <laughs> I considered <laughs> I considered that that would happen, and I I keep thinking like people are only gonna look back on these just to find like all the racist or whatever like off key things that we've ever said and make some horrible compilation of it. All those like hot take jokes or whatever <laughs> from the past when like you know when we're hungover when we've been drinking and then something slips. It's not gonna be good news for us to keep these up for five years. I promise you. As soon as we get any sort of popularity, you got to take down all the old ones. Yeah, you got to start just taking these down. Absolutely. Not. I've said some things that can never be repeated again. The internet cannot know. We got to kill all the white people. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Sam, I think you're, you're finished with CSGO then. Um, yes. So, my number one is Minecraft. Does anyone have that as higher or equally? That was my number four. four. Okay, and Cole didn't have it at all on his list. I did not, because Sam and I had the same number one. Yeah. No, you I don't called up. I called it at the start. There's no way you did not put this game at number one. I, I knew when I put it my number two that I, I knew that you guys were going to have it at number one. But anyway, so Minecraft... I don't even know where to begin with Minecraft. I could talk about it for 30 minutes, but I'd rather not. I, I guess what it comes down to is it is the 
what would you say? Like, I think the most people have ever have played Minecraft more than anything else outside of, uh, I'm making up statistics right now, but I know that the game is like the most popular game or the most bought game outside of like Grand Theft Auto five or something like that. If, if I remember Tetris, I thought it was Tetris. Oh, Tetris is the most purchased game. Maybe then. Uh, Minecraft is the most popular game for eight-year-olds. I can attest to that. What about... My mom is a second-grade teacher, and she tells me about how all of her kids talk about Minecraft all the time, and she has no idea what it is. <laughs> she always asks me, I need help. They're talking about Minecraft again. How do I tame a cow? Uh, you, can, you can do anything in this game. Anything ever. Build whatever you want. It's so good. Yeah. I have had some pretty fun times playing Minecraft. The one thing, instead of talking about why the game is great or what it is, because we've, we've covered that and everyone should know what this game is, I'd like to talk about the things that I wish I have done more in the game. Because... Yeah, my mom doesn't know what this game is. Can you please explain it for her? It's, it's like... Uh, it's Legos for adults. Yeah. Alright. Perfect. And for or eight-year-olds. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's Legos for anyone. It's Legos. Legos. It's just Legos. It's just Legos the video game. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that as as much as I just love vanilla Minecraft, I really wish that I played more mods in it. I've heard that uh, I played a mod on a special server that was like Hunger Games when that was getting popular. Uh, that was so much fun playing the, Hunger Games on Minecraft. Yeah, but I've heard that there's some really cool like team shooters on Minecraft now where people will make up, like, these huge, vast cities and then just, like, play a big shooting game in that or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it just sounds like it can be any game that you want it to be, as Sam was saying. This game came out over ten years ago now. It came out once again in 2009, but no one was playing it then. And, uh, the, um... Uh, I think I just saw last week some guy made, like, Hogwarts or something. I mean, even ten years later, there's stuff on Reddit that's, like, number one talking about this over ten-year-old game now. Like, that's wild to me. That goes to show how intense, how, how much of a legacy that this game holds. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Mean, the, the, it's a game that just everyone plays. It's always popular. Someone's always going to do things. I mean, I always randomly start playing it every once in a while. Start working on my giant pyramid. <laughs> yeah, it's another game that I have on my Switch, and I love to play it um, when I'm watching a movie or just need something to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super, super calming. It's a I think, chill game. Once again, just so that I'm not talking forever about it, I think another, the the last thing I'd say about it, too, is the reason why it's so great is because there are some fast games in the world, there's some slow games, there's puzzle games, there's, uh, like, adventure games, and it's all of them. You know, if you go down into the lower levels, it's, uh, it, it is very intense when you're, like, dodging fire and you, there's a bunch of monsters if you go into the nether once again a lot of monsters a lot of fighting but then in that exact same world on the exact same server your friend could be tending his crops and his cattle and like being a blacksmith or whatever i mean 
the amount of diversity in the game is insane that as sam said you can do whatever you want and it just takes that to an extreme yeah so that's it minecraft number one game of the year game of the decade for me i i honestly think the only the only number on my list that really matters is number one other than that, I think you could flip, like, Minecraft could easily be the second best game of the decade to be. All of these games are just so good that it was hard to organize them into, like, a number order. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Honestly, I actually could... putting these in order outside of my number one, I was like, ugh. Yeah, it was really difficult. It's, yeah, because they all are standouts for different reasons. It's not like comparing Battlefield to Call of Duty. It's like saying, you know... Hearthstone versus Call of Duty versus Pokemon Go. They are all good for different reasons. So it's there it's not a it's not in direct competition from one game to the other. It's honestly such a broad category, it kinda shoots itself in the foot, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, we already did it. We We've been doing it for two list, hours. I, I, I thought about just picking a my number one game for all the different consoles that came out over the last decade like my number one switch game my number one pc game mobile game that's how i was going to just decide my list originally yeah i think there's more than five consoles that came out in this decade there was what's your, what's your number one new 3ds game my number one new 3ds game not old th- new the new one you know because they made a new 3ds oh, and that's I, what it's called <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the new 3ds i'm outdated man <sighs> idiot no. All right, let's talk cool. about it. I suppose. All right. Well, and Sam. I guess before we talk about that. All right, our number one is League of Legends. <laughs> Super Mario Two. Super Mario Brothers Two. <laughs> <laughs> this, this game has um, ran ran my life for the last decade. Goddamn Rito. Does anyone Probably have? a number of hours that they've put like is there a website we could look in to see how many hours we've all put into it there's no good tracker because it tracks like from your computer so i've switched computers in between same but there there are some websites that like track it i think the one that i know is called like wasted on wall let me look at what that says yeah, I think we should yeah. all look that up because yeah, this is also, my number two. As there's well. also ways to see how much you've also spent in league. The amount of money I I put in and Sam has put in it's been insane for a game that is free to play. I also have like three or four different accounts that have hours, so I'll just look at my main account. Hey, zero minutes, zero hours, and zero days. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, this website's not working. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this this is working. I went to type in how long have I, and the first thing is how long have I played League? An average player has spent 832 hours on League. It's a lot of time. Yeah, this website definitely isn't working. But anyways, it's a lot. Are you talking about wasted on lol? Yeah. Yeah. I. Anyway. Uh. What. What is there? Where do you even start with a game like League of Legends? I think it probably 
it, it brought esports to mainstream. You could claim that Counter Strike did that or StarCraft did that, but it was still pretty niche before League of Legends came along. Yeah, League of Legends has become well is the most popular video game and most popular esports out there right now. Uh, just the number of people that are involved and amount of like people they've attracted is insane and the fact that it came out 10 years and is still the most played game too says some says a lot yeah just people watching it more people watch league of legends than they watch uh, like the super bowl by a lot Mm -hmm. which is crazy and i mean i understand like league of legends is like across the world where uh super bowl is like the u.s but i mean there's 250 million people in the U.S., and the fact that there's more than that watching League of Legends is crazy. Yeah. I don't know, Sam. What would what do you have to say about League? What? <laughs> I, I don't even know where to begin. It's the most frustrating game at times and the funnest game at times as well. I've made pretty good friendships just through League. Um, I think we've maintained a lot of friendships through League as well. I mean, even though I haven't played in forever, I don't think that a lot of even our bonds, you know, Cole, Sam, myself, I don't think we would have nearly as strong of a friendship if you guys weren't coming over every single weekend to play that game in college. Or me and Sam's case of just... Just never go to class. Never go to class. <laughs> hey, Only play league. Yeah. Hey, I'm coming over. Let's let's queue up for a game, man. All I did I mean, that first year I met you. <laughs> Skip class I, constantly. I've basically played a game or two of league every single day since I started playing ten years ago. Same. So I, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. It's and hard to even start begin saying anything. I think. Riot has done a lot wrong with the game, but they've also done a lot good. The fact that it's still the most played game after all this time, with all like all the patches and new champions and stuff that they've done, um, they've done a really good job maintaining this game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think keeping it up to date, kind of keeping it fresh, they've done a really good job. Um, especially like a lot of the new champions that keep coming out are really fun to play. Um, give you more reasons to try out new things. Um, I mean. Rito has also done some things that are bad with, like, get rid of their threes map, which was something that is near and dear to Sam and I's heart, because that was yep. the, our, like, go-to for a while. But, I mean, even now they have, they're adding new game modes, like uh, team fight Tactics into it. Uh, Rito announced last year that they're going to start branching out into more games. Uh, all around the League of Legends universe is really cool to see just from this free-to-play game to like something that is uh, the number one most popular game like in the world now. Yeah, well, it sounds like they're trying to cover all of the main bases. So it started out as a MOBA, and then they're also making Teamfight Tactics, or, or they made it, which is an auto-battler, and then they're also making a card game, which is still in the works right now. But I think it's going open beta later this month. Um, they have a shooter like Overwatch coming out. No, it's a Counter Strike shooter. It's not it's an Overwatch style. It yeah, it's a Counter Strike rival. No. When does when does that come out, Sam? That might be something interesting for me. 
it's, it's called it's Project A, I think. It's like yeah. super early development. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, our speechlessness kind of speaks for itself. Is there's so much that this game has contributed to our lives that how do you even summarize it? It, it is, it, in in some ways, it's almost bigger than the entire last ten years. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, seriously, this is like such a big game just for friendships for. Cass and I, it's a huge game. Mm-hmm. We sit and play it together all the time. Or, I mean, hell, last night we were just like, hey, we just want to play a game of TFT before we call it a night and go to bed. We just hung out, did that. It's fun. It's frustrating. It's got probably one of the most toxic communities I've ever seen. And Outside management. Like Call of Duty, where you're being called, uh, you know, all sorts of different names by an eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you either you either talk about this game for an entire podcast or you don't talk about it at all. Or That's for an entire year of your life. I mean, there's so much to go into that it's not even worth trying, I think. Yeah. That makes sense. I think... Okay, instead of that, I think as something to add to it, as a, as a story, rather than explaining why the game is good, I think a story is more in order. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but it's it seems fitting to tell it again. In college, when all of us were hanging out, one of the things that we would do, probably for a couple months straight, every weekend, is we would all come over to my place, and, Sam's, and at the time Sam's place as well, and we would all basically put our names into a hat there would be 10 people and we would all draw teams from there you know the first five names your team a the second five you know whoever's remaining their team b first team would stay upstairs second team would go into the basement of of the apartment that we of the house that we were all renting for college and we would just play for hours until midnight one two three in the morning just over and over again drinking and we had our own separate room set up specifically for league it was just a big ass wooden table like we made this fucking table to play beer pong (laughs) but basically also a main reason was to play league and it was just a way that all of us could be in the same room sit computer to computer like how they do professionally so we could all communicate and not be like you know like hanging off of different cabinets or tables or whatever you know plugged into random places like this it was it was purely a setup for team versus team league of legends and the fact that it not only was friendship defining but it defined uh, basically our interior design <laughs> for, <laughs> as, as i mentioned with this table um I mean, how many, I think at least every single year, someone dressed up as in, in Halloween as a character from this game in our friend group, at least one person, if not like three. And I mean, if there's, any, or if there's ever a story to explain how big that this game was to us back in the day, at least to me back in the day, to these guys still now currently, I assume, uh, that that's it, is that we would go weekends upon weekends of just drawing the names out of a hat, playing the same game over and over again, and just having the time of our lives. People talk about college being the best time of your life. I would specify 
college wasn't the best time of my life. It was playing League of Legends in college. That was the best time of my life. That's a, that's, that's a good, good summary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to put it from there. I think, unless you guys had anything to say, we could just wrap this bitch up. I yeah, mean, that, that does anything justice. else, I, I'd say at this point, it's just going to ruin it. So, yeah, let's just let's call it here. All right. Yeah. Also, I think it's time to go play some League, so. <laughs> so, be. let's go through our list one more time each. Number five, Dungeon Defenders for me. Number four, Pokemon Go. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops 1. Number two, League of Legends. And number one, Minecraft. Cole? So, number five was Pokemon Go. Number four was Dark Souls. Number three is Skyrim. Number two, Black Ops. And number one, League of Legends. Alright, mine is number five, Hearthstone. Number four, Minecraft. Number three, The Binding of Isaac. Number two, CSGO. And number one, League of Legends. Alright, so next week's top five, I was going to throw out top five platformers for the next one, but I'm thinking, would you guys maybe be down for top five uh, esports? Since we're talking League, I mean, we've all played our fair share of online games. Um, uh, I sure. don't know. I, I don't think I have enough or watched enough of esports to really say. More More games, not watching, but playing them. Which games have I played that are in esports? That have a esports following, you know, Hearthstone, League of Legends, Counter Strike, Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I mean, just are you just list uh, Sam's entire uh, top five for next week? There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's three, three out of five for sure. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. I well. think I think just because we went over all these games, and I think we'll have a lot of repeats that doing platformers would probably be a better way to go. Just so we have some different games to talk about. Yeah, yeah I'm after, you, you, you just listed a lot of the games, and then I already talked about them this week. So I think platformers is a better call. Yeah. All right. Let's do platformers. All right. Episode 42, top five platformers. Games I'll be playing this week, coincidentally, well, non-coincidentally, uh, Super Meat Boy, Super Mario Maker 2, and maybe some more Resident Evil 2 remake. Cole, what are you playing this week? I'm just going to be finishing out um, Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Finally beating that sword saint. Yep. And Sam, I figure you'll be finishing up Fallen Order. Yeah, I'm going to try to finish up Fallen Order, and I don't know what I'm going to play after that. We'll see. All right. Well, then, we'll call it there. Good list. I'm sure that it'll change the second I hit the pause button and be like, oh, I should have added this fucking game, but... Nope. <laughs> Just call it. It's locked in. Our opinions will never change. Recording is over. All right. The end. Bye. Bye.